right, everybody, welcome to the How to Sell Insurance podcast. My name is Ryan Federico, as always, joined by Senior Ashton Delango Lunday. I think we got to put some uh, little, uh, what are those called? Like what you put over the N so in, in uh, Spanish? Yeah, well, I think we need to put some of those over your name just to just to make it more interesting, just to roll some of the some of the vowels in there. Also joined by DJ Debt Free, Mr. Keith Fonseca. It's a mustache. Hailing now. That's what you got to put over his name, a mustache. A mustache. Yeah, there it is. It is a mustache. Uh, this episode is sponsored by G Fuel. Just kidding, but not kidding, G Fuel. If you see this and you want to send me some free cans, I would love it. Uh, we are going to jump into an awesome topic today, how to turn a no-sale into a sale. So you've got something that's headed towards no-sale land. Somebody's not going to buy from you. And how do you resurrect that bad boy and turn it into an application and get a family covered uh, without hard closing? Uh, You're not going to hear any doorknob close stories from uh, the the 1970s here. Uh, Sorry to to disappoint. But uh, before we jump into that, (laughs) we were kind of talking before this and we were... Uh, we want to do a little segment called Tales from the Field, and hopefully uh, we can edit that little segment out there and uh, warp my voice into sounding ominous of some sort. But we want to talk about uh, we all three ran appointments in person. All three of us do not run appointments in person anymore. We're 100% virtual. Uh, We meet with clients over the phone or over webinar. And we were talking about what's the worst thing that ever happened to you in the field? What's like the worst appointment that you ever had in the field? Now I'm privy to knowing the first one that's gonna come out because I thought it was absolutely hilarious the first time I heard it. He didn't think it was very funny when it was happening to him, no matter what he'll try to make you believe right now. But Keith Fonseca, what's the worst (laughs) thing that ever happened to you running an appointment in the field? Well, my very first appointment, so that's not the one you're talking about because I just remembered I went to a hotel. The guy asked me to meet him in a hotel, and he just wanted to talk to someone because he didn't want to live anymore. That was my very first appointment in insurance. So that was interesting. But my second real appointment, so I went to someone's house – I got out of the car, all nervous, excited. I went to the back door. I opened the back door. I bent over to pick up my bag, and I split my pants. That's right, sports fans. We split our pants and still ran the appointment by keeping my back to every wall. They must have wondered what was going on with this guy. Needless to say. Nice to meet you. Oh, can I sit in this chair over here against the wall? Let me uh, get over there. Yeah, we did not um, write a policy that day. Unbelievable. Uh, Ashton, what about you? What's the worst thing that ever happened to you in, uh, in the field? Yeah, so I, I had a client who loved motorcycles. And so uh, I have a Harley. So I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride my bike out and you know, build rapport, common connection. And it was a late appointment. And I was leaving, and they were in the middle of the country. So it was like an hour from my house. No street lights, nothing. It was just pitch black. Um great great seeing the 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 stars and i was driving my way home uh my wife just yelled she loves this story and i don't know why uh i was on my way home and uh i didn't see a curve coming so i crashed my bike in in a ditch and i when i got up like i i couldn't i couldn't pick the bike up it was it was too bad um and so when i got up i looked i was like a half a foot a foot 
from a six foot ditch uh, that was all concrete. And so I like I laid it down nice on, on the dirt, uh, and I had I had to call the client, and I was like, hey, so like I know I didn't write a policy, but I just crashed my bike. <laughs> Can you help? Uh, they loaded the bike up in their trailer and drove me all the way home an hour one way. Um, and so that was wow. probably the worst point. And I just sat in the back of the car uh, while both of them. I mean, me well, for, uh, there's so much to that story. First off, God, remember like having to drive an hour to appointments? Like how oh. crazy is that? I mean, there's that's like tame. There's people that would take like plane flights to go work in cities yeah. and things like that. Back, God, it sounds like, you know. Back when we used to have to power our homes with a unicycle, uh, you know, it just sounds like it was so old. Um, but the second thing is, you were riding a Harley yeah. to mortgage protection appointments. Yeah, I, I would do it if I knew that they they like motorcycles. I would always do it. Um, I, I did it a few times uh, to save gas because you know it's so cheap. I can go. I can probably drive two or three hours on five dollars of gas. Um, or I'm sorry, I can probably drive a hundred miles on, on about five dollars of gas. So I was like, motorcycle wow. was like the most efficient way. Um, but yeah, uh, it was it was fun. God, man, how'd you keep that pristine hair? Uh, you know, where you were getting all matted down in the helmet. How'd you get that thing? Dude, uh, you just you just gotta you, you gotta use the right gel. It, it, keep, it keeps oh, the okay, form. It. He's got the bro front. <laughs> I wouldn't have that problem since I don't have any hair, but. Uh, worst story for me, there's uh, there's two of them, but the 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 worst time was I f- I fell through a porch, uh, in in East Las Vegas. Uh, I was running an appointment, and if any of you guys have ever been to Las Vegas before, um, you know you have the strip, it's all glitzy and glamour, and, th- and then you go up north of the strip, and you have Old Town Las Vegas. That's where Fremont Street is, and it's a little bit more ruckus and wild and old and. Uh, except for that they just built a new resort down there um, it's this pretty amazing uh, called Circa no no plug for them hopefully maybe they'll sponsor the show but uh, if you continued walking down Fremont uh, you end up in East Las Vegas and Eastern Las Vegas on Fremont Street isn't like the place that you want to be most times in fact like I remember I was I had a, a Dodge Ram at a white Dodge Ram and I remember like getting out of the white Dodge Ram and just like kind of seeing people scattered because I kind of looked like a cop. You know, I was like, I'm bald, right? I've got a button up shirt on. I'm like bailing out of a Dodge Ram with like a briefcase and like people started scattering like 5 uh, Anyway, so I walk up to this, this uh, woman's house and um, it was a house that they probably like entered in through the back all the time. They never came up to the front. And yeah. so there was three steps and then there was a porch, a wooden porch, and then there was the door. And so... I like, I took a step on the first step, no problem. I took a step on the second step and I heard it start to crack. And so right when I, t- when I heard it start to crack and I felt it, I kind of jumped, right? Like, oh my God, this thing, I, w- I don't want to fall. So I like jumped up and I landed with both feet on the porch and I went straight through the porch <laughs> up to like my mid thighs, right? <laughs> just like, and all the, all the wood just broke underneath me. And so like, I, <laughs> I rang the doorbell <laughs> just like, hey. I'm here for your mortgage protection appointment, guys. And I'm like, there's a hole in the middle of their porch. You're like, what the hell happened? Uh, anyway, man. So I, um, I ended up paying for the porch to get fixed. I felt terrible about it. I, you know, they, I had a guy come out and, and replace the boards in the porch. And uh, the people actually bought insurance, oddly enough, uh, which was which was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, uh, that was that was a funny story. That the other the only other funny one is. 
I remember talking with, uh, there's an agency owner in, in our organization, his name's Ryan Miner. You guys know Ryan Miner. And he hadn't gone virtual. I had, I had been doing all my appointments virtual, and he was just like, man, I don't know if I want to go virtual. And I was like, Ryan, I'm never going to go into another house ever again, right? There's no way I'm ever going into another house. And like my next dial session, I got a woman who was just like, please, I, this is like height of COVID. It's like April or May of, you know, COVID. Nobody knows what's going on. Everybody thinks like if you touch something that's got COVID on it, you're going to disintegrate, right? So, you know, we're like, please, I need to get insurance. Come help me. I don't have an email. She's using a flip phone, you know what I mean? And she's like maybe 15 miles from my house. So I was like, all right, fine. So I, I get in my, I get in the car, I go over there and I'm like, I, I got a face shield from Amazon. You know what I mean? Like I've got the mask on, I'm wearing gloves at that point in time. And like, I pull up to her house and I open the door and you can smell like it's the cat house. Mm. Like you can smell cats from like down the block like it, and it's hot. It was like, it was like April or May. It was like, you know, 70, 80 degrees here in Southern California. And it, you know, it's like wafting and she opens up the door and I get like hit by the smell or whatever. And uh, it is like a house from hoarders, man. There's just stacks of stuff everywhere. Smells like a couple cats have died in there and she doesn't know where the cats are. It is a terrible house to be in. Uh, we wrote her a policy. We like, got the iPad, right? We like, I like sanitized the iPad. She signed it, right? As I remember as a mutual of Omaha policy, shout out mutual of Omaha. And, um, you know, I got out of that house and it's like, anytime that I ever think about like, I'm going to go back in person, I just think about that house and I'm like, nope. I'm just going to stay virtual. <laughs> I don't want to go into another house like that ever again, man. It's like the perfect last house to ever go into. I heard cat oh, ladies God. like insurance, though. Hey, you know, policy's still on the books two years later. So, I mean, like, that's not a huge feat, but um, you know, she's still alive. I know that. So, uh, man. Well, uh, we, we want to transition into, into the topic that we promised everybody, uh, that topic being how to turn no sales into sales. And actually, uh, Keith's got a great story of something that just happened to him as we were talking about this. So dive into that, Keith. Let's, let's see if we can get these people some help turning uh, people that say no into people that say yes. Yeah, so uh, yesterday I uh, had an appointment, and I was running a little late for that appointment. Um, so our admin reached out and said, you know, he'll be calling you shortly. And I don't know if that turned him off or what happened. So either way, he was driving. Right, you can tell how engaged someone is for buying insurance when they're driving during an appointment. So Absolutely. long story short, I, I call him and he said, look, let me save you some time. I'm not going to need this. I already have two policies. Now, most people would go, okay, sir, no worries. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, but it just, it didn't seem right to me. You know, when you hear someone say, I don't need it after they've gone through the work to fill something out, send it in. So that was my first place. Well, look, I've got a paper here with your name on it. It's, you know, it was sent into our company. You know, what were you thinking about when you sent it in? And his immediate response was, I didn't send it in. I think my sister did. And I said, wow, that's interesting. That was very nice of her. He's like, yeah, she worries. I said, okay, uh, why do you think your sister sent it in? Like, do you think it's a concern of hers if something happens to you that she might not be able to afford the house? Um, and he said, yeah, that, that probably makes sense. Uh, that's probably why she sent it in. 
I said, so tell me about these two policies because I'm not here to waste your time or mine. I think that was a very critical point uh, that I said to him because in most cases, people who don't want to buy and start to put up deflection say, ah, this is not a sale, leave me alone. They don't want to be sold, right? I think they want, they want transparency very quickly, very effectively. So I said, look, I'm not here to waste your time or mine. But tell me really quickly, what are these two policies you have? Well, one is from my work, and the other one is from, you know, a company carrier that shall remain nameless. Right? <laughs> it rhymes with Crimerica. So anyways, uh, he says, uh, you know, Horrible. these are the two I have. I say, okay, that sounds <laughs> the, good. The, I just want to stop you for a second because the minute that you said a company to remain nameless, both Ashton and I and anybody who's ever sold insurance knew exactly who you were talking about when you said that. <laughs> and no anyway, offense to people right. who love that and are listening to us. Thank you for being here. But, you know, I asked him the golden question about value that we always seek. And I said, listen, uh, what would happen if you didn't die? If you had a heart attack, cancer, or stroke? Uh, would you get a lump sum of money? And he said, no, the policy comes with that. And I said, sir, I've been doing this five years. I know for sure your work policy is a group policy that definitely didn't cost you anything, did no medical, so it's not going to come with that. Um, and I know that that other company, their policies don't come with that. He said, oh, really? I said, so tell me, what will you do if you have a heart attack, cancer, or stroke, you can no longer work, you have some sort of critical or chronic injury, and now your sister's left to pay for the home. Can she afford it? And he actually said, I think she could, but that's probably why she sent it in. It'd be a huge burden for her, and I hear what you're saying. Let's figure out something mm -hmm. I can afford, and from there created a sale. But just by not allowing him to tell me to hang up, not hanging up, and asking some critical, transparent, to-the-point questions, uh, we're able to save it and create an application and help a family. You know, I, I think there's a couple pieces of that, Keith, that are so, uh, so good for people to take away. Number one, I think, I think you're the same, Ashton, I think you're the same too. I want to get this out within like five minutes of starting the appointment if they're going to be buying insurance or not. And so many new agents come into this and they're they're so afraid to address are they buying insurance. Yeah. It's almost like you kind of you want to be a magician, you know what I mean, with like the the voila at the end, you know, and like have this how oh, I'm going to pull out these prices and you're going to go, "Oh, I want that one," you know, or something like that. And yeah. it never really works like that, right? And um so I want to know typically within like 5 minutes where this person's at. So when we start off an appointment and I'm, you know, having niceties, how long have you been in this house? Where'd you move from? Where's your family? What do you do for work? How'd you start doing that? And we're just starting to build some rapport. And then I transition into, well, hey, I'm here to do a job. And let's recap what's happened. With some people, I do exactly what Keith is saying. Man, you, you filled out this letter or you went online, you made this request, and then you sent in this text message and you gave me all your medical info or like however the appointment happened, you've taken several steps to get to this point and I want to know why why'd you do that right and ultimately once they kind of give me that reasoning I want to transition into well here's how this appointment's gonna go and give them some expectations and at the end of that expectation it's we're gonna be writing an application tonight we're gonna to be filling out you know an application and sending it into an insurance carrier 
And I want to know almost immediately. I'd love it. It is the best scenario if they go, I'm not feeling anything out tonight. And they like should cross their arms. Yeah. Or, we never make decisions on the first day. Sure. It's the best because I'd rather know that four minutes into the appointment yeah. than have to go through a full 35-minute appointment and battle that at the end. I want to use all the bullets of my appointment to be able to battle that from the beginning and start confronting where they're at in their buying cycle. And if they're yeah. just afraid and if they don't want to be sold or if they really you know, feel like they don't make decisions on a first day. And I've heard everything. You know, I, God, my God tells me not to make decisions on the first day and I need to consult with my pastor. You know, like I've, heard, I've had all kinds of stuff. I'm sure you guys have too. But getting it out up front and intentioning within the first five minutes of the appointment, what are we doing yeah. here? Because I'm here to fill out an application. And that's exactly what, what Keith just did. Turned a, man, I don't even know why I'm here, into a, yeah, you're right, let's put some coverage in place. And, man, it's, it, that's, that's an incredible point. What about you, Ashton? What's, uh, what, what are some ways there are some experiences you've had with kind of turning those no's into yeses? Yeah, uh, I think, like you said, setting up the appointment's the the first and foremost thing. You know, we, we got a great podcast lined up here in a, in a few weeks. We're going to have someone uh, on. I don't think I have to tell you guys yet. We're going to have uh, Ayers and Cicely Newsom on our podcast here in, a, here in a few weeks. Um, and I, I learned all of my role and purpose setting up my appointment from them. So much so that I send the training to every single one of my agents before they ever run an appointment. I'm like, listen, if you want to make money, listen to this before you go into that appointment. If you don't want to make money, do whatever you want. <laughs> so, you know, setting up that role and purpose in the beginning is the most important thing. I, I combine that with, you know, those four questions. What are our goals? You know, we went over this before. What are our goals? Why? So if we don't have this, we can't pay for our mortgage. All right, well, we should get this taken care of. Don't you agree? Having all of that in the beginning is the absolute most important thing um, because that's going to set up the rest of your appointment for success. I don't get a lot of I want to think about it at the end, because, especially when it comes to pricing, because I go through a financial fire drill. I don't get a lot of, yeah. well, I'm, we're not doing this today. The only thing I get at the end is I want to think about it because I need to talk to my spouse. I'm going to go, great. So let's, let's start talking. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Um, and, you know, I ask you pretty simply. I go, hey, you know, let's say something like I want to think about it. Absolutely. Definitely want to make sure you guys are, are making a great decision. Definitely want you to you know, be sure about what you're doing. You know, John, it sounds like you have some questions uh, about this. Well, well, yeah. Like, how do I know if I get approved? Like, well, you know, that's what I'm here for. That's my job. My job is to go through these applications. Well, I don't know which one's going to benefit my wife the most. Yes, hey, hey, Susie, well, which option do you feel like w would be most beneficial for you? Option one, option two, option three, which one do you think? And, and I sit there and I talk through those things with them. And, and that in a home, I had one person tell me eight times, I want to think about it. And I, and I came out writing 3,000 in business. And I actually just wrote them another policy, two or two more policies, uh, about three weeks ago two, three weeks ago. Nice. And now we went from 3,000 to over 6,000 in that home. Um, and these were people in the beginning. Awesome. They're like, oh, I just want to think about it. I want to think about it. I want to think about it. I want to think about it. Absolutely. Let's think about it right now. Let's go ahead and do that. Because I guarantee you, they're not going to go to bed at night and they're going to go, oh, so, so uh, now that we're here, uh, we're, we're going to spend some time together. Let's talk about dying. So how do we want to plan that? Like, they're not going to do that. If you set a follow-up appointment and you actually get to go, you're going to get there and they'll go, oh, 
you know, Keith, I'm so sorry. We actually never even talked about this since you left. I know we said we wanted to think about it. Can you come back next week again? Or, or whatever it is. They're not going to think about it. And so I always had to think to myself, because a lot of times we can feel like, hey, this is outside of my comfort zone, was if I'm not asking that or I'm pushing, but we're not, if, if I'm not asking them a question, how much do I have to not care about that family to not ask one yeah. or two questions to make sure that their their family's legacy is taken care of? Now, the, the best illustration that I can use is if you see a semi-truck coming down the road and you see someone in the middle of the street, how much do you have to hate that person to not say, get out of the way, there's a truck coming, push them, whatever it is? Oh, you got to not like them a good bit. Uh, and if I'm sitting in a home and someone said, Ashton, if something happens tomorrow, my wife's in, on the street in two weeks because she can't pay any bills and she's got hardly going to have money for, for food. And we get to the point at the end, we're like, oh, well, let's think about it. How much do I have to not care about that person's family? And I go, all right, I'm going to ask one or two questions. They might be uncomfortable. It's not because I'm greedy and I want money. I, I want your family to be protected. I don't care if it's a dollar or if it's a thousand, whatever it is, whatever's in that budget. But I'm going to ask those questions to help get to go, hey, you said there was a need. If there is, well, let's see what we need to do to, to help your family. Yeah, I love that. And especially, you know, uh, when you're getting that at the end of a sale, right, and somebody who's just really hesitant, um, being able to, uh, I love using some of the, the questions like, uh, what's going to change between now and a week from now? Yeah. Right. Like when you think about it, what, what in your situation is going to change between now and a week from now outside of that you're older and insurance costs more? Yeah. Right. What's going to change between now and tomorrow or now and next month? Um, you know, we, we've got to get some coverage in place. So is it just that this doesn't fit in your budget? What if we start with a smaller policy and you think about increasing it over the next month, right? We provide some other solutions rather than just confront them with like, well, you know, why wouldn't you make this decision now? You don't care about your family or whatever. Yeah. It's like, hey, let me just ask you, what's going to change between now and a month from now outside of that you're going to be older and insurance is going to cost more? Why don't we just do this? Why don't we put a $50,000 policy in place instead of this $100,000 policy? And then over the next month, you can think about if you want to raise it to 100000 but at least you've got 50000 right now. You know what I mean? And make some of those little suggestions to them that allow them to kind of step over that line and make a decision and give themselves permission to buy. There, There's a step to, or there are several steps to any sales process. And you guys can go to writemoreapps.com, you know, our, our main website. You can watch, you know, Asking for the Business six or more times. You can watch the conversations that we had on other podcasts. You can watch the Closers Quest, right? It's all there. And you can see there's a step for each segment of the sales process that I want to get a commitment and I want to get a tie down. And that's why when we end up at yeah. the end of sales, a lot of times we're not hearing think about it. Um, I know if I end up, at the end of a sales process and they're not buying, I messed up somewhere along the way, right? I got sold on something, I bought in somewhere, I skipped a step on something. And one recently that happened to me, uh, I actually used something from this podcast and that was the thing that I wanna share and we'll kind of wrap it up, um, was, right, I, I, was, I was with this woman and single woman, she's got several insurance policies, she's got you know several retirement accounts, she owns a house, her children are grown, 
And so we were kind of going through insurance and she had kind of sold me on that she didn't really need insurance, that she was well covered. And I was, I bought into it. Yeah. I was asking her what would happen at this, what would happen at that, what would happen at this, what would happen at that. And all the answers were, well, they would get this and they would get that and they would take over this and they would take over that. And they, and like, she didn't really, she wasn't coming out with any need. And so uh, I took something that Keith said in one of our, uh, one of our podcasts, shout out to listening to all of our episodes. And he had said, um, let me, let me just ask you a couple questions here. First off is some money better than no money. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, is more money better than less money? She was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, right now you're taking some of this money and you're just putting it in a savings account or you're putting it in a checking account and it's just sitting there and you're earning $0 on it, right? When you die, there's going to be pretty much exactly as much as you put in there in that account. Uh, but if you took $200 of that money and you put it over into this account is what I called it, into this insurance policy, uh, when you die, you're going to have substantially more in it than what you've put in. Right. So you're you're only buying yourself more money. It's not really making a financial difference to you. And it's just leaving them with a bigger nest egg. And she was like, yeah, you know, I think that makes sense. And instead of doing a two hundred thousand dollar policy, she did a hundred thousand dollar policy. We whittled it down. And it was just as simple as would you would you rather take some of your money and do something smarter with it as more money better than less money? And she was like, yeah, more money is better than less money. But I still had to follow the rest of the steps. Right. I still had to build rapport. I still had to get into the emotion of what would happen if she had this or she didn't have this. I still had to create some kind of value where she saw some value in having this type of policy be reasonable in making a suggestion that she could get behind. And then I still had to ask for the business. I still had to tie it down along the way and get micro agreements that, you know, <laughs> I still had to do all those things. And, you know, if I would have just bought in to her going like, well, I have these policies and I have these retirement accounts, um, you know, we, we wouldn't have written a policy that day. So I got to I always have to remember that it's so easy to blame. It's so easy for us to go like, oh, they didn't have money yeah. or, oh, they were broke or, oh, they already had coverage or, oh, this or, oh, that. And just pawn off the fact that we just weren't that good. Right. And that's that's the truth. Right. Don't don't wish it were easier. Wish you were better. And, you know, I, I always uh, do my best to take an appraisal at the end of an appointment that I didn't write and go like, how could have I how could I have gotten better? What could I have done differently? Yeah. What step did I miss along the way uh, in order to to turn this from a no to a yes? Um, so final thoughts for you guys, uh, you know, just around the horn real quick. Ashton, we'll go uh, back to you. Final thoughts on this and uh, resources for uh, what's helped you turn no's into yeses yeah i mean again just honing your craft you know diving into training that's going to be the most important thing your company should have training galore on how to help you whether that's dialing in the field or whatever the case and is. if they don't there's this new thing it's called youtube <laughs> and you can you know <laughs> you can search Absolutely. uh you know anyway. yeah and you're hitting on the head you know taking that time to invest in yourself people ask me all the time how can i come out of the gate quick and successful well how much time are you willing to invest in yourself so that's always going to be the key nice keith i think ultimately we from podcast to podcast talk about three main premises every single time one is take control two is overcome objections uh, early and often and three is ask questions 
That seems to be the underlying keys to everything we talk about, and sometimes we just don't care enough to confront. No different than what Ashton said about the person in the street. So, you know, when I think about someone's yeah. immediately a no, I've got to confront them immediately and skip everything and go right to the golden question. If you die, is this going to cause them a problem? And if it is, let's yeah. figure out that problem. Let's solve it. Mine is practice, right? It's taking those two things that they just said and repetition, 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 right? It's, it's taking those trainings that you can watch, but watching trainings doesn't make you money. Yeah. It's, you know, taking, uh, knowing the steps of the process that Keith was just saying and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing, but then spending the majority of your time doing it in front of clients. Right. This business is so easy to make you think that you're working. Right? Yeah. It's so easy to like, you know, because you're just thinking about work. You're thinking about getting better, but you're not actually in front of clients. You're not making phone calls. You're not seeing people. It's like the easiest business to convince you that you're working when you're really not working. Uh, so 70 percent or more of your time being spent directly on money making activities, meeting with clients, helping people get covered. Thirty percent of your time spent on getting better and studying new things. We will be back. Uh, of course, uh, writemoreapps.com. Check out the podcast episodes. Look at all the other trainings. Apparently, we're going to be back with Ayers and Cicely Newsom, which I'm super excited about. Two what? of my favorite people in the world. Uh, we're going to be posting content live from the 8% Nation Conference in Dallas. We're also going to be posting content live from the Symmetry Financial Group Conference in Denver, Colorado here in August. Uh, we're going to be a traveling road show here. It's going to be a lot of fun, but look for more content coming out. We always appreciate you guys. Like and subscribe, and we will check you later. Later. See you, everybody.